This morning, I want to take an opportunity to remind us not only of the 60 years in the past, but of what I pray are the 60 or 120 or however many years yet to come until Christ returns, right? We, we don't know when He's going to come back, and so we plan as though it's going to be a while, and yet we also work as though it could be tomorrow. And so I want to take an opportunity to remind us of the work that God has left us here to pursue. You know, He could have saved us and just taken us on home, but, but he didn't. He left us here where we are strangers and pilgrims and aliens in this world awaiting the arrival of our king to come and usher in the new heavens and the new earth. And then we will truly be home. You know, anniversaries provide a time to remember the fundamentals. And it's hard for me to think of much more in the way of the word of God that's anything more fundamental to our existence than the reason that Jesus left us here in the first place. And I believe that we find that in Matthew chapter 28. We find it actually throughout the Bible. But the most familiar place that we find it is perhaps Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Would you, would you join me in reading this text? But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, literally all the days, even to the end of the age. Would you bow with me? Our Father in heaven... You've sent your Son, and He has commissioned us. And Holy Spirit of God, You have come and filled us. You've given us the power and the resources necessary to obey. We pray, God, that we would hear from heaven this day, and we would respond. In Jesus' name, amen. There's three, three briefs, excuse me, four brief observations I want to make from this text this morning. And they are this, to be the church that Jesus is calling us to be. You, you say, well, pastor, what's your vision? What's your passion? What do you want to see us do? I don't, I don't have a great plan. All I have is the commission that Jesus gave us. And the commission that he gave to his church is to make disciples of all nations. That's what I want to do. I want to see a move of the Spirit of God throughout the Roanoke Valley that overflows into the world and astounds us with the goodness of God and the numbers of people that we see come to saving faith in Jesus. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to be the church that Jesus is calling us to be, we must go where Jesus sends us with the expectation of seeing and worshiping Him. Second, we must go with confidence in our King who has all authority. Thirdly, we must make disciples of all nations. And finally, we must be assured of His presence for His mission for all of our days. First, we must go where Jesus sends us with the expectation of seeing and worshiping Him. You know, the world in Matthew 28 is trying to cover up the resurrection. The leaders and the guards of the tomb are trying to figure out how they're going to escape the reality that Jesus' body isn't in the tomb anymore, and so they make up a story. Some money is exchanged, and the world is busy trying to cover up the resurrection of Jesus. It's still the same today. The world doesn't want to deal with the fact that our King is raised from the grave, but the disciples, meanwhile, are seeking the resurrected king who told them before he ever even died, after I've been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Isaiah foresaw this day 
when he wrote, In the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea. In other words, the way that had been neglected, the way that seemed to be outside of God's plan, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, meaning Gentiles, meaning people who weren't in Jerusalem, people outside, it seemed, of the family of God. God was going to bring them in in a miraculous and glorious way. Notice that the disciples go to the mountain which Jesus had designated. In other words, they obey him. Now, I don't know about you, if I had seen Jesus crucified three days earlier or eight days earlier, and Jesus had told me, go to Galilee, and he had designated a mountain, guess where I'm going? I'm going to that mountain. I mean, you think about it. All that they had been through, walked with him for three years, and they saw him crucified, and their hopes dashed, and now Jesus has appeared to them in Jerusalem, and he's now sent them back home to Galilee, and they go. Wouldn't you go? You see, what Matthew's doing here is a little bit of a bait and switch. Because it's easy to go when... The resurrected Lord says, go back home to Galilee, to that familiar mountain that you all knew anyway, because that's where you grew up. But it's another thing to go when he commissions us to go to unfamiliar people and unfamiliar places in his name. Would, would the same king who commissioned you to go back home and meet him on a mountain, would you also follow him to the ends of the earth if he called you there? This is the question that Matthew is seeding in our hearts. To be a, to be a disciple of Jesus, we must go wherever our ris, risen king is sending us. And when we encounter our king, what does it lead to? Do you see what they do? They worship in verse 16. Worship, by the way, here is not the typical word for worship. It does not mean to serve God, but rather to fall down at Christ's feet in humility. It means to be so overwhelmed by God that His presence stops you. It sends you to your face. It makes you open to whatever our King commands. Worship, by the way, that kind of worship is what you were made for, and it is what we do when we truly behold the glory of our King. And what Jesus is about to show us is that when we encounter the presence of the risen King, when we join him on his mission in the world, that is the mountaintop. Even if you're not on top of the mountain. See, we understand that Matthew shows us the mountaintop experience so that we can understand from now until Christ returns on the mountain that the mountaintop experiences actually come when we are on mission wherever we go. We encounter the risen Christ as we go on mission with him to the ends of the earth. Some of you this morning are asking the question you should ask. You're asking the question that some of the crowds were asking. But won't that be difficult? Won't that be costly? Won't it be challenging and new and ever-changing and uncomfortable? Yes. Yes, it will. But no, because that's where God is. That's where the Spirit of God is sending Spirit-empowered and enabled people. So the second thing we must understand and we must do is we must go with confidence in our King who has all authority. To, to our doubts and our fears and our hesitations, Jesus says, I've got the power, I've got the authority, for mine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Because Jesus conducted much of His public ministry in Galilee, it seems that word had spread that Jesus would appear on the Galilean mountain. Most biblical scholars believe that this is where Jesus appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, something that Paul references in 1 Corinthians 15. And notice that some in the crowd, verse 17, were doubtful. The word 
doubtful here is the same word used of Peter when he's making his way across the water and he begins to sink as the waves crash about him. They doubt, but notice what Jesus does. He comforts them with this in verse 18. Not only is he risen, but he has been given all authority. To any hesitation you have this morning, to any fear or doubt you have this morning about the church becoming more than just about us and our preferences, but being about the progress of the gospel to the ends of the earth, to any hang-up that you have with that, to any hesitation that you have with that, Jesus says, I have the authority. All authority has been given to me. The nations will bow before me. Take the land that I have told you to take. Circle the city of Jericho seven times, and on the seventh day, watch what God will do. God's authority for conquering the world in Jesus' name has been given to Jesus. To any fear or reservation or hesitation that you have, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. All authority means, guess what? All authority. It means the fullest possible authority. It is an authority that's in heaven and on earth. You can't go anywhere in the universe or outside the universe where Jesus does not have all authority. Morris says this, in his risen state, the limitations that applied throughout his incarnation no longer apply. He has supreme authority throughout the universe. Before Jesus commissions his disciples with a global task, it's a commission to you and me, by the way, He comforts them by saying he has all authority. And I love this quotation coming up next. Turner says this, Mission is possible because Jesus is potent. Whatever leads you to conclude that we can't do it, on the one hand, you're exactly right. We can't do anything. But on the other hand, Jesus says, I have all authority. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he pours out his Holy Spirit and the same authority and power that he has, he pours into his church for the purpose of mission. This is why we are here. It is why we exist. And to any side conversation or thing that would hinder us Jesus says, throw away the weights that so easily entangle you and stay laser focused, locked in on God's mission to make disciples of the nations. This is why on January 8th of this year in a vision message, I said, wouldn't it be awesome if by 2030 we had five full-time missionary units on the ground or in training? This is why I said on January 8th, of this year. Wouldn't it be awesome if 15% of our congregation by 2020 or 2025 was non-white? You say, well, is it wrong to be white? No, it's not wrong to be white, but it's not wrong to be anything. Would to God that the church that God has built for the Roanoke Valley here at North Roanoke Baptist Church would look like the Roanoke Valley. That the church on earth would look like the church in heaven. That we would see red and yellow and black and white. That we would be that church and we would walk through the uncomfortability of getting there because Jesus has all power and all authority. And he's commissioned us to all people. That's what we need to be about. In verse 19, we see that little word, therefore, Anytime you see the word therefore, my fifth grade 
Sunday school teacher said, you need to ask, what is it there for? So that's what we're going to do. Because God has given all authority to God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that has an implication for the church that He's left on the earth. Because He has all authority, His disciples are commanded to go and make disciples not just of their family, it's a good place to start, not just of their neighborhood, another great place to start, not just of their workplace, another great place to start, but of all nations. The scope of Jesus' authority in verse 18 defines the scope of His mission in verse 19. As Davies and Allison write, universal lordship means universal mission. And the mission is this, go make disciples. Not program attenders, not churchgoers, not group leaders, not congregants, not parishioners, not good people, but disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're to be making. And a disciple is both a learner and a follower. Learning the ways of Christ our King. That's why we come together. That's why we hear and heed the Word of God. And following Him by taking the good news to all the nations. Nations, by the way, just as a point of clarification, it doesn't mean nation-states, okay? It doesn't mean Iraq, Iran, Mexico, Cuba. What it means is people people groups who have a common affinity. So there, there's over 6,500 people groups in the world that still don't have a witness to the gospel where they are. In other words, they could walk and not find a church or a Christian or a Bible. And that's why we partner with other churches, 46,000 other churches across our nation, and we partner to get the gospel to those places. Because there's people who still haven't heard that Jesus makes all the difference. Turner puts it this way, the disciples' central responsibility is to reproduce themselves. Now that's a scary thought. Reproducing ourselves. Makes me think of times of intense workload. Have you ever been there? You get so stressed out, and I've even said it, I wish I could just clone myself, and then I've been terrified by that thought <laughs> about two seconds later. I mean, Stacy, that would be terrible. I know. But you see, the command is not to reproduce ourselves, it's to reproduce Christ in us. It's to make disciples of Jesus. You see, to make disciples of Jesus, we must be around lost people. Some people think the idea of church is being at the church seven days a week. Guess what you can't do if you're at the church seven days a week? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, committee meeting, potluck knitting, sewing, whatever. If all you do is spend your time with saved people, then how can you ever make disciples of lost people? Help me out with that, choir. You can't do it, can you? You can't make disciples and hang out with saved people all the time. You gotta be with some lost people, people who don't know. So the first thing we gotta do is we gotta hang out with lost people. The second thing we gotta do is live like Jesus. And the third thing we've got to do is explain how and why we live like Jesus as we welcome others to receive and then join with us in the life that Christ gives. It's organic. We're out there building relationships, sharing the gospel, living the life, and people say, what is up with you? Why do you love your wife that way? Why do you respond to your kid that way? How do you put up with your boss that way? I, all I can tell you is, God saved me and He changed my heart. He gave me different priorities and different values and I see the world differently than you do and I'd love to tell you more about it. 
You see, right now, if we're honest, we've got to do a better job of making disciples. And I start with myself. Daniel, Pastor Daniel's got to do a better job of making disciples. As a percentage of the U.S. population, folks, evangelicals are dying. Six out of ten of us are 50 or older. Only 11% of us are under 30. And the demographic trend lines show us that the church will be much, much smaller in just 10 to 20 years unless we get started making disciples. That means we've got to reach people who don't like us, they don't look like us, they don't share our values, our culture, our way of life, or even our language. Jesus died to create a church who would show all sorts of people His love Give them the gospel and make them into his disciples. And I submit to you this morning, North Roanoke Baptist Church, while God has been abundantly good and we have many blessings to count, we have much work to do. Daniel, the task seems daunting. What do we do about that? We remember that Christ said, I have all authority. And then we get busy obeying. We do things like have babies. Some of y'all need to go have some babies. Hey, the world is having babies. Look at the birth rate in nations where Christianity is not prominent. And then look at the birth rate in the comfortable United States of America. What happened when we got rich and happy? And we, we concluded that children are a liability and that they're expensive. We stopped having children. You, you can attribute... The, the crisis in America and evangelicalism, you can attribute much of the crisis that we are on the threshold of to the fact that we stopped having children. It's, it's getting real, y'all. Jesus said in Genesis, what did he say? Go have a lot of babies. Make, make a bunch of worshipers. All right, you say, well, I can't have any children. Well, can you adopt some children? Can you foster some children? And I'm so proud of some of the families in our church family that are doing this. We've got to serve the least of these. We've got to share the gospel. We've got to invite lost people into our homes and serve them dinner. We've got to learn Spanish. We've got to teach English as a second language. We've got to get some seasoned married couples who are out here this morning with some younger married couples who are, have a marriage that's about ready to die and we need to put you together and y'all need to take one another to dinner and love one another and figure out how marriage works and invest in one another. We've got to dream properly. Some of you have settled for the American dream. But the American dream dies when you die. And you got a bunch of stuff like the guy in Luke with his barns all filled up, and then he dies. And what does he got to show for it? Nothing. We got to start dreaming of a day when the impact that Christ makes through his church is so great that it does not matter who the pastor was. It does not matter who the other leaders were. It doesn't matter anything about anything that has to do with us. It just matters that Jesus has been on display and he's been winning people for himself because he's worthy of that glory. That's what we need to dream about. Think about who God might reach if we would just take the time to get to know some people and even invite them to church. I read a study this week that said church members... In a year's time, only 2% of them invited one unchurched person to church. 
2%. What if we all took a pledge this morning and said, I am going to invite somebody in the next 365 days to North Roanoke Baptist Church to be my guest? Just one person. Some of you might get crazy and go for two. That'd be fine too. Here's the bottom line, folks. When you're not here, you're on mission. When you're not here, you're on mission. When you're here, you're, you're growing as a disciple. And that's good. But when you're not here, the Bible tells us you are on mission. And we must remember that the mission is to people of all nations. Verse 19. Diversity is not the world's idea. It's God's idea. From the beginning, God sees His church as the place where a new humanity is made up of all sorts of people through the saving and unifying power of the Holy Spirit. There are 105 people groups represented in Roanoke, and God commands us to be a part of how He's reaching them. When He works, we baptize, and then we teach. We baptize, and then we teach. And what do we teach them? We teach them to obey all that Christ commanded. All that He commanded. Did you know being a disciple is not a buffet, but a set menu? Have you all ever had a set menu? You had to reply, and you, had, you get chicken or beef. Which one do you want? That's it. Well, you don't even get an option of chicken or beef on Jesus' menu. It is all that He commanded or nothing. You don't get a buffet line. That folks who just walked out of the baptistry and said, I want to live for Jesus, you don't get to pick and choose the commands that you want to obey. Which, by the way, is why we baptize before we offer the Lord's Supper. Why do we do that? Because baptism is the pledge that I'm going to obey everything Christ has called me to obey, including being part of a healthy local church family that's going to help me and hold me accountable for living the life that God has called me to live. And then the Lord's Supper becomes the, the ordinance of continuation so down through the ages, the church has called baptism the ordinance of initiation. I'm starting my life in the church. And the Lord's Supper has been the ordinance of continuation. Because when we come to the table, it's a weekly or monthly or however often we partake checkup. Where we say to ourselves and to the church and to God, Before I partake of this crushed fruit of the vine and this bread, how am I doing? Am I living the life that I pledged to live when I walked out of the baptistry? Am I living on mission? Am I making disciples? Am I engaged in what God is doing in the world? Have I found my place in the call of every disciple, every disciple to then turn, in turn make disciples? And I don't know where you are in answering that question this morning. But here's what I do know. If you are longing for the move of God in your heart and in your life and in your family, you will not know it until you find your place in His mission. You will not know the victory that God intends for you to have until you find your place in His mission. However big, however small. The reason that the Holy Spirit of God is called a comforter is because the mission sometimes is uncomfortable. 
It takes work, flexibility, evaluating our assumptions. It takes generous giving, perhaps learning a new language, and a host of other sacrifices. But that is where Jesus is in the hard work of making disciples. I don't know about you, church family, but I've been getting to know you over the last 20 plus months. And there are more and more and more of you who can say, I am hungry for a move of God in our church throughout this valley, and I'd like to see it in my lifetime. I don't want an endless circuit of people bouncing from church event to church event, never getting serious, but I want to see God rescue people from all walks of life and see them fall deeply and radically and obediently in love with Jesus and then live on mission together. And I suppose that I long for this North Roanoke Baptist Church because that's where Jesus is. And I want to be where Jesus is. And Jesus is on mission Lo, look at verse 20. Lo, I am with you always or all the days. You want to know the presence of Jesus all of your days? Then you've got to be where He is and He is on mission to all the nations. His promise is that we will experience the presence of Jesus every day as we make more disciples from all the nations. North Roanoke Baptist Church The Great Commission is our King's command, and it is our mission. This morning, the invitation is rather simple. If you want to be a part of a church that wants to make disciples of all nations, and you have walked with Christ in baptism, and I don't know where you are in your faithfulness to Christ, but if you want to do business with Christ and want to work yourself to the place in prayer in the next few moments where you say to God, I want to be a disciple that makes disciples, then as I invite our deacons to come, I invite you and encourage you to partake of the bread and the cup, ever mindful of the fact that Jesus didn't just give his life for you, he gave his life for the world. So I want to invite our deacons to come. I want to pray. And I want to invite you to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, mindful of the fact that Christ our King is on mission to the ends of the earth. Would you bow with me? Our Father and our God, we thank you for 60 years of blessings and of your faithfulness demonstrated to North Roanoke Baptist Church. We long, God, to be used by you. We dream, God, of a day when red and yellow, black and white worship and gather at 6402 Peters Creek Road. God, we long for you to use us to make disciples of more and more and more people throughout the Roanoke Valley, wherever they are, whatever they are doing. And God, we understand that none of this would be possible without the sacrifice of Jesus, who has made us his own and is now giving us the opportunity to join him in making others his own. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for the gift of Christ and for the mission to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.